Welcome to Uncle Farm Podcast. This is a 30-ish minute podcast created to celebrate and showcase diversity within black male thought. I'm Darius Watkins. Yep, I'm Ryan Thomas. Hey, and we are live. Shout out to everybody out here who survived the winter storm and are still surviving the winter storm. Shout out mm. to everybody except Ted Cruz. Uh, you get no love, <laughs> zero love. You ain't got to be like the liar of the year. <laughs> yeah, man. And man, prayers up for everybody in Texas as well who are you know, having to burn their furniture to keep warm. Yeah. You know, that's just crazy. Like, what is going on? 2021 is uh, starting off interesting. And uh, I think it's definitely like quarantine number two, having to stay in the house during this winter storm. And I'm, I'm speaking for the people in Memphis and Tennessee and Texas and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody that was hit that, you know, in a city that's not used to that. Yeah, for real. Uh, yeah, uh, and especially our Houston followers, man. I don't know who y'all are. I truly do not know who y'all are, but but y'all rock with us heavy. So, man, uh, shout outs, uh, shout outs to y'all. Thousand prayers to y'all. Um, hopefully, y'all are doing absolutely. okay during this time. Um, man, absolutely, man. Why I feel like we got to like rename twenty twenty one to like hold my beer. Um, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, twenty twenty hold my beer, and so you know, I just I want twenty twenty one to just I wanted to relax. I wanted to relax, take a deep breath. <laughs> Don't be 2020's twin. <laughs> That's what I want. That's what I want. Yeah, man. So, I would. But I mean, yes to all that. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and get into these topics. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is something that a lot of you guys may be familiar with. I'm sure most people of color are familiar with it. Uh, people who are not of color may not necessarily be as familiar with it. Uh, the topic that I'm talking about is colorism. We're talking about colorism. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and define it with this definition I have, and we can just go. Okay. Uh, colorism uh, is defined as prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. That is the yep. definition of colorism. Anything that, you yep. would say, anything that you would say to add on to that or anything that you would say doesn't need to be there? Oh, no, I think that that's pretty accurate it's uh I, I did find out just through a little research that just as colorism exists in the black community it mm-hmm. also exists similarly in the asian community mm-hmm. because if you think about it you got like asian like korean people who are kind of lighter and mm-hmm. then you have people from like Ta- taiwan who may be like darker mm-hmm. you know indian but they are they're all in asia you know and yeah, like especially filipino they're like yeah yeah. And so they kind of experience similar similar issues as to what, what the black community does. So I think for those who don't may not be familiar with what we're talking about, it is definitely an ongoing historical, like go dating back to slavery issue in the okay, black community. Yeah, go ahead and talk about the slavery. Uh yeah, so you know, I, I want to say this especially for our listeners who are Caucasian. Uh, colorism definitely goes back to slavery. Um, it goes back to the days of when a slave owner would, uh, you know, have sex with one of his slaves who were black women, they would obviously give birth to lighter skin kids or mixed race kids. And, um, as a result, those kids, because they were still, you know, the child of a slave, still part black, they would still be in service but they would be in service in the house 
mm-hmm. whereas darker skinned slaves had to stay outside, work more grueling tasks, work in the fields. And that's where you get the, the term, you know, slave, uh, field slave and house slave. And so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember, I'm talking to the Caucasian people, so we're gonna say we're gonna stick with that. <laughs> but but then, you know, as years go by, that continues, that multiplies. You know, you have a mixing and a mingling. Where now, when you look at the black race today, or even you know the 1800s, the 1900s, you know, you have light skinned black people and dark skinned black people. And that created a thing or a hierarchy that we call colorism that's real or perceived does mm-hmm. exist um, in our community, you know? And I think what it is like when you're light skinned, you're looked at for the most part as like, you know, more accepted in society, you know, more able to get jobs, more attractive, you know, more desirable. It's like, like, and I'll use this as, as an example, what just happened last month with Danny Lee. And I, if you don't know who Danny Lee is, she's just a woman who was dating a rapper named the baby. Right. And, um, this rapper named the baby <laughs> has a, uh, kids with a darker skinned woman. Danny Lee is a lighter skinned woman. And she mm-hmm. made a song called yellow bone and basically the whole internet blows up and they're just like, how dare you make a song about being light skinned as if you're better than dark skinned women. And it just blew up. And it made me realize like colorism is alive and well, like people still have big major issues when light skinned women brag over dark skinned women. You know, they're basically saying, you're trying to say the babies stepped up by dating you and left the dark skinned girl alone. And now he got the yellow bone and now he upgraded. And she really didn't say all that in the song. So to me, it was just like, dang, this colorism thing is still a hot button topic, even in 2021. And uh, so, yeah, that's just a brief overview and, and, and a little context. Yeah, um, and I think that like one thing that goes with that, like you've already talked about being attractive, uh, maybe even like perceived as being smarter, uh, but also like what's also being said is that, I mean, one, one thing you can't like talk about without without mentioning this is that like the perception of the house slaves were, were that they were weaker, uh, that they were a little bit softer, whereas like the field slaves were people who were seen as like stronger, tougher, all these things. And like, you still see that like in conversations amongst like dark skin versus light skin, like in, in the debate, dark skin people are viewed like almost universally as like stronger and tougher and light skin is viewed as like, at least within the black race, light skin is viewed as like a, a little bit more passive um, a little bit more soft. Uh, I mean, you have a light, you, you have what's called a light skin pose. Uh, and if you are black, then you know exactly <laughs> what that is. Um, so right. like, or you can say somebody's uh, having light skin tendencies or you're acting light skin right now. Like, right. <laughs> so like all that does like deviate and originate from like slavery, like literally like that's where it mm-hmm. comes from. So that's important to mention. And just looking at like some of the first wealthy black people in this country were primarily light skinned people. Uh, Correct. So what does that mean? Like, how, how were they able to have access to wealth that dark, darker skinned people weren't necessarily able to have access to their wealth? wealth? Probably mm-hmm. had something to do with the perception of like who they were and the chance yeah. of like, maybe they had had some white down their family line. Right, right. And, and that goes back to a very demonic doctrine of, you know, white supremacy. <laughs> it's attached to that in that 
right. you are closer to being a supreme being because you have some white in you. Um, so like, you know, let's, let's kind of move it forward a little bit. You know, I can talk about some personal experiences. You can talk yeah. about them if you like yeah. to. So for me, I think that what I see is this, this difference, right? I'm more of a brown skin brother, right? So I'm kind of like more so, I'm not dark, dark, but I'm also not light, light. So I kind of can just observe what I see. Like, I think with women, it's different. Light-skinned women are treated differently than light-skinned men, right? It's almost like with light-skinned men, they're kind of like, from what I, the way I saw growing up, they were kind of looked at as like soft. Mm -hmm. it, it was almost like they're picked on. Like, it's almost like you, you kind of weak, like you can't fight. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it, it, it like, and everybody on this podcast knows that I defend Drake, right? And I actually call him the light skinned legend as a joke, right? Mm -hmm. But, <laughs> but I actually think that Drake is perceived as in the rap world, he's not taken seriously when it comes to lyricism and bars and like, uh, you know, hip hop relevancy because he's light skinned and he sings from time to time. And you know he's like looked at as like an L. DeBarge who who raps from time to time. And mm -hmm. it's almost like, why do we do that to each other? It's the colorism thing with Drake that I that I kind of get annoyed with because I, I'm like, this guy's like one of the greatest, you know. But a lot of people say, no, he's not. He's soft. He don't need to be a rapper. <laughs> he don't need to be even looked at as like on a level of a pock and then like that because you know. And it's like, I, so I understand the differences between um, Drake's style and all that stuff too so i know that that factors in mm -hmm. however um but then when we talk about light-skinned women i think that light-skinned women are perceived as like the standard of beauty for the black community for so mm -hmm. long mm -hmm. like you had to be a holly berry you had to be a nicole airy parker from mm -hmm. you know you know um that's from she's from a lot of movies married to boris kojo or, or you know you got to be perceived as like um you got to be light-skinned to be perceived as beautiful mm -hmm. and and that is a major issue because i can name so many dark-skinned beautiful uh black women growing up that we saw like maxine shaw i mean i mean <laughs> erica alexander <laughs> no, <played>. maxine shaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah erica who played maxine shaw on, on living single you know or um you know and i'll say even from today like a lupita Nuango, you know, mm -hmm. who played in Black Panther. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and like it's so many beautiful dark women. And I think even even the Oprah Winfrey would fall more so into a darker com complexion woman who's successful and strong and like beautiful. So I, I think that it's important to talk about this because we're we're downing light skinned black men because of colorism. We're trying to like even the score almost by bullying <laughs> and then we're exalting light-skinned black women um in a way that i feel like is you know detrimental to our darker sisters yeah and so like yeah what, what are your thoughts on all that yeah um well first of all i want to address like the drake thing because i think that there are parallels between like racism and or the effects of racism and or stereotypes let's say stereotypes uh, I think it's par parallels between like stereotypes, especially like, sp especially among amongst uh, racial groups and colorism. So like one stereotype is that white men can't dance. Right. Uh, another stereotype is that uh, give me another stereotype for white men. 
Um, they can't dance. They can't. Well, I was no. gonna say cook. They can't, they can't season. They can't season. They can't jump. But like they, they yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. So they can't jump. They can't do all these things. Whatever. Whatever. Now give me a stereotype for black people. Black people, uh, we can dance. Um, black people are cool, and, and black people are aggressive. Sometimes very loud. Mm-hmm. Lazy. Black people. Well. Yeah, lazy. I guess if let's let's be real. Like, let's be real. Uh, yeah. So black people are lazy, and we talk about like Asians. Like the stereotype is that like smart. Asians are smart, but they're Can't not smart. Math. They work hard. They're smart because they're Asian, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then like when you and then like when you when you go down every racial category, like except white people, except white people, like it's bad. Like yeah, like none of that will affect you like getting a job or like the perception of you getting a job or anything like that like nobody cares in a job interview if you can't if you can't dance right right nobody cares if you can't season food like nobody cares about those things so like a lot of times like there are stereotypes amongst every group but it's much more offensive for other people other groups and in that like with that being said it's like this doesn't really affect me so like when we talk about drake he's i mean he can have very stereotype about life skin that that you want to have, he's still gonna sell as many records as he wants to. It's not gonna affect mm-hmm. him monetarily in the same way that it may affect other people because he has the look, so to right, speak, right, um, right. that seems safe, that people that people like, right? Um, that people will always support uh, monetarily. So, like, although he may have these, uh, although he may have these stereotypes about him, like it's not really affecting him in that capacity because either way, when he puts out an album, it's gonna be the number one album. Regardless, mm-hmm. like if he dropped the album right now, it would be the number one album within ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Any disagreements? No, I agree with you. So, like, and I, I, but I, I think what we're talking about is like street cred. It, it, at least that's what I was talking about. Yeah, but like street cred, street cred. But but like the flip side of that, like darker people, like the stereotypes that are portrayed on them actually affect them. Like when it comes to the workplace. Like, yeah, yeah. Saying, like it's, it's gonna affect your bottom line. Yeah, as far as like the standard of beauty and everything. The first black bachelor, right? Like, look at him. Like, look how he looks. He's very much so a light-skinned dude. Um, yeah, he so, looked kind of uh, Will Smith in the 90s, for sure. Yeah, something like that. Like, he's like the picture of light skin to me. Like, that's that's like mm-hmm. what he looks like. So, so like, you see you see that, like, dark-skinned people are, are always going to face, like, much more long-lasting effects based on the stereotypes of them being dark-skinned or the perception yeah. of them being dark-skinned. And that's, like, the difference in, like, how colorism, colorism affects different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, so, you're talking about the weightiness of mm-hmm. of the offenses. It's almost like, yeah, being light skinned can be tough, but it does not compare at all to being dark skinned because, the, yeah, like the the problems are multiplied. The mm-hmm. problems are de- generational, even. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. I agree yeah, with you yeah. On that. and so I'll let you. I'll let you have your Drake point. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. <laughs> did you Did you have any stories about colorism for yourself, or do you want oh, yeah, to yeah. Talk, yeah. have this other talk? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, growing up, like, I don't know, like, how it was for you, but like, in like, and I don't even know where it came from. I, I truly don't, don't know where it came from because I don't believe, uh, I don't believe my parents taught me, taught us this, but like, in our household, like, amongst siblings, like, it was understood that like to be darker was less attractive. Like, mm-hmm. it was, it was generally understood to the point where like, some of my siblings like didn't even like go outside like during the summer at like three o'clock because like you're gonna be black as night by the time by the time you uh come in the house if you consistently do that right so right. like so and I think a lot of black people share that experience of like uh dark skin is not attractive and I think that it's because 
like you don't see that on TV. You don't see that on TV as the, as being portrayed as beauty. Um, we can even talk about Lupita. Like you still don't see her like very frequently on TV. Like she had her a few moments. In, uh, she had her a few moments, but like she's not consistently on TV. She's not consistently mentioned like in the top fifty or top one hundred most beautiful, whatever, whatever. Which is a trash list always, by the way. But oh yeah, throw it away. Yeah, throw it all the way away. <laughs> but like I think that like kids are able to see like again like it's it's like racism like you may not necessarily like tell your kids something racist but your omissions are just as strong as the words that you say absolutely so Th- things see- are more often caught than taught yeah yeah so like if if you're sending these subconscious messages messages and stuff like that then like kids like myself and my siblings are noticing that and we're letting it impact our lives right 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 Absolutely. So, have you heard of anybody sharing like a similar story? Yeah, I, I remember growing up, um, people didn't want to get in swimming pools in the summertime. Yep. Because you know, once you get in that pool and then the, the chlorine's on you, that sun's gonna bake, bake you a little bit, and you're gonna be like three shades darker. And people didn't like that, you know. Like, you know, I do remember growing up in the South, growing up in Georgia, how, you know, we. You know, and me, me personally, I didn't necessarily shy away from dating people based on their skin tone, but we knew who the, the cutest girls in school were. Mm-hmm. And usually the cutest girls in school were lighter, mm-hmm. you know, it, and I think it does go back to that programming that you talked about, like media programming, you know, television, magazines is what you see. It's the same reason that white people think that all black people are rappers that drive big cars and like with big wheels mm-hmm. and like all women, black women just like have big behinds and just shake them and stuff like that. You know, people see that stuff on BET and see it. It's like, this is what I see with black people. This is all I saw seen, you know? And I think now that we're in this world of the internet and social media, we have a new lens because we can control our, our media. We have like so much more um, control over what we see. Um, and it's not just based off of what is put in front of us on television. So I'm actually hoping yeah, that let me let me let me ask you a question real quick because I just want to like throw your lifeline real quick. Um, yeah. When you said when you said that like the most beautiful or the most attractive girls in your school were light skinned, you meant your perception of the most or the school wise perception of the most attractive girls were light skinned. Absolutely. Okay. I'm talking about our perception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not in actuality. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 and I think it's very problematic that we thought that way, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, and, and I think it's very like, I, I want that to be, it, it needs to be talked about more. You know what I'm saying? Like the same way we have t- conversations about racism that are hard, we have to have these, you know, intra-family, intra-race conversations about colorism that can be hard and uncomfortable because that's the only way we get healing right like that's the mm-hmm. only way we can heal racism is to talk about it same with colorism so yeah 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 and that's good and i think like as far as like colorism goes like the idea is that like hopefully over time like this changed some capacity but we know that like it's, it's a hierarchy and everything right and it's like the sin of yeah. partiality um at the end of the day so if you look at james you know the sin of partiality so like it's right. always going to be prevalent like even like within a city like memphis like people judge you based on what kind of high school you went to. Like, that's going to be like the first or second question they ask you, like when you in this city, like what high school did you go to? That tells I have me, heard that. It tells me everything you need to know. <laughs> so like, so I've it's always, heard that, man. 
Yeah, so it's always going to be like some kind of ranking system as to how people choose to identify. And at the end of, at the, end of the day, it's lazy, right? Like everybody wants an easy way to be able to, to uh, categorize people like based on simple things. So this person's light skin, right. this person is this, but it becomes problematic when this like leads to like feelings of inadequacy um, and partiality. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think like just to wrap it, man, like before we go to the, this next topic, man, like what we have to do as a community is we have to first expose our biases, mm-hmm. right? Once you expose something, then you can begin to, to heal, but you can't heal what you don't reveal. Right. Right. Um, I think one of the one of the things we have to realize is that every human being, dark, light, are all made in the image of God. That's what it all goes back to. Mm-hmm. And the prejudices and the things that we feel, we have to uh, acknowledge them and we have to give that to God. Because, you know, man, think about on Fresh Prince when we talk about dark skin at, at Viv versus light skin at Viv. Mm. Dark skin at Viv is actually the OG. She's yep. actually the one that we we loved and we, we were used to. And then, you know, maybe what, season seven or six, then here comes the light skin at Viv. Mm-hmm. And, and the replacement is like something that we all know in the black community. We all noticed it. They mm-hmm. just eased her in and kept the show going. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like nothing ever happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but I think those, those subtle things that we notice and those things we label like light skin, dark skin, you know, these things aren't to be, you know, we're not trying to, you know how some people that are white say, I don't see color. Mm-hmm. How annoying that is for like, for a white person to say, like, we're not trying to get to the point where we don't see light skin, we don't see dark skin. No, we, we need to continue to see it. Mm-hmm. We need to continue to acknowledge it. Um, but we do have to check our prejudices, our biases, and, you know, understand that people need sometimes they kind of need those conversations to happen um, in order to kind of fix our own issues within our communities. That's good. And speaking of biases, let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, this is a topic where let's let's be clear, like when you guys hear this topic and when you hear, when you hear us talk, talking about this, these things, I don't know what Ryan's going to say. I'm not going to lie to you. I have no idea what he's going to say, but I'm going to yeah. go ahead and say like, this is not a critique on the actors or actresses. This is more so a holistic critique on Hollywood as it relates to like my perception and like my take on it. So I don't want you to, you to hear this conversation and think that like, hey, these folks just think that these British people can't do anything. That's not the case. Uh, but what we want to talk about is um, the question of, of uh, British actors playing American roles and primarily American roles of uh, civil rights heroes and American figures. We wanna talk about that. So like, is this the new form of colorism within Hollywood? So that's what we wanna talk about. Um, I believe you have a list, Ryan, of, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I have a brief list and it's not exhaustive at all, but these are British actors who have played American icons. All right, so we have David Oyelowo, Uh, He played Martin Luther King in Selma. Mm -hmm. Daniel Kaluuya played Fred Hampton in Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm -hmm. Kingsley Benadir has played Malcolm X in One Night in Miami, and he will play Barack Obama in The Comey Rule. Mm. Um, Malachi Kirby has played Kunta Kunta Kente in the Roots remake. Uh, And Chiwetel Ejiofor, Uh, he was a character in 12 Years a Slave. 
And all of these are American, you know, heavy American iconic movies that have come out recently. Yeah, and, and just to kind of add to that, um, I have uh, Cynthia Arrivo playing Harriet Tubman in Harriet. Um, I have uh, I have uh, Jody Smith-Turner playing Queen in Queen and Slim. Also, Slim was played by uh, Daniel Kaluuya. And I have uh, Daniel Ezra playing Spencer James in All-American, which is a show based on a Compton, a Compton athlete based on a true story. And last but not least, I also have Carmen Ijogo playing Coretta Scott King in Selma. And it's important to mention that she said she didn't know who Coretta Scott King was before playing the role. Lord have mercy. So I did not know she said that. <laughs> hey, hey, these are, these are, <laughs> goodness gracious. <laughs> these are her words, not mine. Uh, and I think that like it's important to like have a conversation about this uh, because like I do think that like I don't find anything wrong with, like playing like traditional roles. Like even like uh, even my guy uh, Daniel Kaluuya playing uh, playing wh whoever he played and Get Out. Um, like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's perfectly fine. Um, like if you want to do that, then do that. But I do think that like it becomes a problem or it becomes maybe something like worth looking looking into when when they're playing like primarily civil rights a activists in movies. So right, right. So yeah, what what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on it? Like what what do you fall when it comes to how you feel about this? Um I think that like my initial thought is that like black black Americans, African Americans are primarily like always seen as people who are being discriminated against. I always having to come out, come out, come out of the mud, so to speak, um, and just having to work a little bit harder. And they're always being silenced. Um, you see it with Colin Kaepernick. You see it with uh, with Malcolm X. You see it with so many people. Like that, they're consistently being silenced. So I think that this is like kind of a new form of that. And it's also just like kind of like how we talked about with uh, light skinned people being viewed as like smarter, uh, more trained, uh, wiser, and all these things. Like I just want to read something to you. This is what Spike Lee said about. I'm sorry. This is what uh. Because a lot of these movies, like just to be clear, a lot of these movies were directed by black people. Uh, does that mean that they can't have prejudiced thoughts? Absolutely not. Um, and this is what uh, Ava DuVernay said. Uh, and she is she directed Selma, by the way. She said, I think there's something about the state about about the stage because they have that stage preparation. Their work is really steeped in theater. Our system of creating actors is a lot more commercial. There's a depth in the character building that's really wonderful. That's what she said about uh, British actors playing playing American roles. Mm. This is what Spike Lee said. He said their training is very proper, whereas some of the, some of uh, these other brothers and sisters, you know, they come in here and they don't got that training. Uh, the training mm. and craft is the same thing. I see I see it when people came came in an audition. Uh, some of our people just don't got it together. So this is what he mm. said. Now let's be clear: like if these were white people who said these things, that would be World War Three. <laughs> like, let's just be like completely honest about that. But mm. what you do see is like the same echo in the thoughts that we saw, like when we just talked about colorism, which I find problematic. Um, it's an automatic assumption that most of these people have it together. Like most of these people are just more well-trained, even though most black actors and actresses that have really blown up probably have done way more, way more as far as education goes, as far as training goes and all these things, because they have to. But oh. the perception is automatically because they're British, like they have together, like just because of the way that they sound, they have together. And I don't think it's a reach. Honestly, I don't think it's a reach to say that, like, this is a much safer tour to go on. So when you go on the talk shows and stuff like that, like it's much safer uh, because you're talking about. You're not necessarily talking about your experience. 
Right. So that's what I, that's, th- yeah. those are my initial thoughts. What about you? Yeah, I'm actually, man, I, I, I'm just kind of thinking through the things you're saying because until, you know, 30 minutes ago, I hadn't thought too deeply about this actually. But, you know, man, like I think, yeah, I think you make a really good point because, you know, black people that, that are like regular, you know, like regular, degular, schmegular black people from America, mm-hmm. we do tend to kind of like, you know, devalue one another. Mm-hmm. But then you got a person from Britain and they got this accent and they kind of come from this different culture and they, they're bringing something that make you like say, hmm, now that's different. You know, I think a lot of times it, that that's the kind of stuff that gets in the way of like, it kind of clouds judgment, if that makes sense. There seems to be like a romanticizing of these British actors because of the fact that they are British. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they're so, I mean, honestly, you know, like you said, not hating on them, you know, get your money. That's great. Um, but it seems to be like they're getting put on as a priority. Whereas you got actors who've gone to Juilliard here in the United States, mm-hmm. you know, trained classically, you know, um, trained in theater and, and, and Broadway and things like that, done musicals. And and, and I believe that they are the ones, in my opinion, because this, this, this is our history, this is our nation, I believe that they should be prioritized, number one, um, in these roles as, you know, he, these historical figures. Um, I believe that you, just like somebody asked a question to um, Erica Alexander, bringing her back up, um, and she was recently on The Breakfast Club, and they was like, who should get reparations? Who should get reparations in America? Mm-hmm. And basically the answer was, the children of the historical slaves in America, Mm. simply put. That doesn't mean that, you know, hey, we don't care about other black people in our country. We're not saying we don't care about other minorities. No, we're saying that if we're talking reparations, this should go directly to the children of the people who were enslaved as as much as we can. Um, and, I, and that's kind of how I feel about these roles. Like these roles should be prioritized and given first part, who should be given first priority? Those who live through it, those who fa- whose families live through it, mm-hmm. those who grew in this country and, and has felt the effects of this generation after generation after generation, they should be prioritized over these British actors. So yeah, the more I think about it, the more I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know if you felt that way, like going into this. Conversation. No, I didn't. I, I really didn't until I started just thinking through more and more. Like, yeah, the more I think about it, like, yeah, they definitely should be prioritized. Not to say that a British actor can't win a role over an American actor, but like, priority one should be given to the American actor. Yeah, and I, I like the way you put that. Uh, they should they should be prioritized. I think that's where I land. I think that's where I land is that American. Black Americans should be uh, prioritized in historic Black American roles. Uh, I think yeah. that's where I land because because you can you can uh, relate to it. Even uh, we had last week we had Brian Foster on. Uh, me just being able to call some friends from Clarksdale and be like, "Hey, what do, what do you guys think about this? Is this accurate?" Yada yada yada. Like it's so much easier when you have like skin in the game, so to speak. Um, right. And with that being right. said, like I do want to back back for one second because I can just like. Share, share something personal real quick. Um, so I I used to live in Helena, Arkansas, which, which was 70% black, 30% white. 
Uh, didn't feel comfortable there uh, just because it wasn't very much to do. I moved to South Haven, which was 70% white, 30% black, uh, or 30% minority, we'll say. Um, didn't feel comfortable there because it wasn't appropriate representation. Went to Ole Miss, uh, it was, I think, 12 to 15% black. Um, didn't feel comfortable there. So I was like, let me go back. Let me go to Memphis. You know what I'm saying? Let me go to Memphis. And then like, I'll be like in, so to speak. I feel comfortable. You get to Memphis. What high school, school did you go to? Oh, you're not from Memphis. You're really like from Mississippi. You're really like an Ole Miss guy. Like that doesn't really count. And now I go back home to South Haven. It's like, oh, you Memphis now. So it is what it is. <laughs> and, the, and the point that I'm trying to make is that like, I do feel for like the British actors. Like I do feel for them. Cause I think that like, there is like a sense of loss like like they can't they're not home anywhere so to speak like in british like they're a black guy in america like they're a british person like and they they just want to act right like this at the end of the day they want to act they want to get roles and they want to do these things so i completely understand where they're coming from in that i would say that like that's another argument for christ right because like that's the only person that's that you're really going to feel like fully fully ident who fully identifies and accepts you uh but like right, right. I, I feel for them like in that area but with that being said like mm -hmm. I do think that there it is problematic for these roles to be played in this capacity. Um, even Samuel L. Jackson spoke about it in 2017. And he he mm -hmm. basically just said, like, bro, like this is, I mean, like, we we face discrimination all the time. And honestly, like I, I wonder what get out would it look like with a brother playing the man, the main actor. He just said he wondered what it would look like. And like he he faced criticism for it. Um yeah. and my guy from Star Wars, let me find his name. Uh John there you go. Yeah, John Boyega. He uh tw he tweeted and said black Brit black Brits versus African American, um, a stupid conflict that we don't have time for. And then he retweeted something that said, "Mr. Samuel L. Jackson, emancip emancipate yourself from mental slavery, my brother." So like, so like it's clearly feelings on both sides about this. Like, and it's clearly right. tension on both sides about this. And and I think that like I understand both pers both perspectives, but I do think I land like somewhere in the middle of like okay, you guys can play like these roles. I don't care about John Boyega playing in Star Wars or whatever movie he played in. Um, mm -hmm. I don't really care about a lot of these things, but I do think that like when it comes to like historical roles, like you like to see those roles played by people who can more closely identify with it. Like, like it just it just gives you more moments of like actual truth. It gives you more unscripted moments, maybe more unscripted looks. Because if I'm being honest with you, I saw Judas and the Black Messiah. I thought it was a great movie. Um, I thought that, I mean, I would give it nine out of ten. I honestly think that like some part, some parts for Daniel, uh, Daniel, uh, this is his name, right? Daniel. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya. I think that some of his parts were kind of inaudible because like he couldn't necessarily do the do that accent, and I can't say that I could either. Like the yeah. the, the, <laughs> the angry nineteen sixties black man. Uh, I, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> But with that being that's said, a very specific accent right there yeah like because when, when you hear him talk you're like you just waiting for him to be like and jive turkey so i'm not <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah and, I, and I, I will say that it is impressive how these british men can mm -hmm. sound so american yeah that, that is impressive yeah it, yeah it's definitely impressive and i think that like i don't think that the criticism is unwarranted and that's that's what i'll say about it right yeah, and I think you make a really good point, man. I, I think that they are, you know, kind of misfits no matter where they go, right? Mm -hmm. Black man, some of them are African, you know, living in Great Britain or wherever they live, mm -hmm. coming to America, 
they're really not accepted anywhere in the world. And then obviously they're black. So they're facing the same types of discrimination that regular black people are facing because people don't know they're British. They just know they're black, you know, mm -hmm. when you get here. Uh, so, you know, there is, we can give empathy. We can give sympathy. We can give compassion to those brothers. And we can at the same time say, hey, you should make sure that when these important big roles come up that you think about the fact that you are representing a country and a, and a people and a you know history that is painful that is important that is very important that is very important that is very important mm -hmm. and just know that going in yeah. it's important and and it's not it's not that we think you're going to be flippant with the portrayal of the characters it's more so like yo if you knowing that this country has always treated black people this way also know that black people are still being treated this way in some spaces and you want to make sure that you give them what you know that that care that concern that of hey maybe i shouldn't take the the main character role here maybe an american brother should maybe an american sister should that's and, all and i will say like at the end of the day like if i apply to be the ceo of amazon and they give me the job then like all i did was Taking apply it. Right, <laughs> Taking like it. I, I applied. Like that's not my that's not my fault. Period. Like I I just right. did my I just did my part and applied. Didn't think I'd get it, but I got it. Um, and a lot of times, like especially like with uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Ryan Coogler is very much so like really cool with with uh with the people. Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. So like them folks are them folks are just cool. So so mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, the responsibility goes on the person who is directing it, producing it and filming the movie. Like that's their responsibility to choose who they choose to have in a, in a movie. Cause somebody can audition for a lower role and get a bigger role. Like this stuff Absolutely. happens all the time. So like, yeah. it's- And like, I completely respect Ryan, Ryan Cougar, Ava DuVernay. Like mm -hmm. I completely respect these directors. Yeah. But this is a conversation that we got to have as a community, right? Like yeah. it's a black, black on black conversation. Yeah. No black on black crime, black on black conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So what are your final thoughts on all this? Yeah, um, I think it's an issue of silence and it's an issue of kind of accepting some, but not others. Um, and you see it like in a lot multi-ethnic churches where you may see black people, uh, but like a lot of black people who have leadership roles and things like that um, don't necessarily fit the bill or like fit the bill of like the stereotypical black beliefs. like or not stereotypical, but the primary black beliefs like on some of these issues. And they be they may be a little more submissive and a little easier to control to some capacity, if I'm being honest with you. Um, and I think that that's kind of like what what you see in these situations. Um, and a lot of people would re would rather die. And when I say die, I don't mean literally die, but some people would uh, die than be in situations where they don't feel like they have a seat at the table. And until everybody has a seat at the table, you're going to continue to see these issues. And I think that that's like, brilliantly laid out in uh, Brian Loritz book. Uh, I think it was Insider Outsider. I think that's what it was called. Uh, and you can see that and you can see the issues that present itself. And, and these are kind of like the, the root of the same issue that like presents itself in Hollywood with this issue of with this issue of black British people playing black American roles. Like it boils down to like, do we really have a seat at the table? And is that seat, is that seat contingent on losing our losing our character, losing our culture? Right, right. Absolutely. And I think, man, my final thought is just like, you know, it's such a fine line that we walk when we're dealing with something like race and color, you know, where on the one hand, it's a great thing to have, you know, a healthy level of 
self-satisfaction in the way you look. You know, I think about Beyonce making Brown Skin Girl, the mm -hmm. song, and it was just like an anthem for like, brown skin is beautiful, you know, which I believe that's needed. That's a good thing. That kind of pushes the conversation forward. Um, but then the other side of the line is when we begin to, um, you know, idolize, you know, and like uh, make more major something um, than it should be. Um, and at the end of the day, I think what we have to do is re remember, you know, if you're dark skin, love love your dark skin. If you're light skin, love your light skin. If you're British, black, African actor, love being a British, black, African actor. But at the end of the day, we have to check our biases. We all have biases, man. You know, we all have them in our hearts. We have these prejudices. But the first thing we have to do, if we want to heal it, we have to reveal it. These, that's what the conversations are about. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, remembering that also people are facing discrimination because they are dark skinned. If you are a lighter skinned black person, know that, remember that. And, and I think, uh, you know, we see a lot of that revolution happening on social media. Mm -hmm. people are people are talking about a lot more about man I'm, I'm proud to be black i'm proud to be dark and i think that's great yeah you know yeah just like with every other conversation man we have to continue to just work and have empathy and sympathy and compassion and and be good listeners man i think that's that's all it comes down to hey that's perfectly stated man shoot we appreciate y'all for rocking with us, for listening. Uh, again, thoughts and prayers to everybody who may be struggling right now uh, just with uh, simple things like electricity, warmth, water, all those things. Uh, we are thinking about you guys. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed uh, our Black History series That's because that's very much so what it was. Every topic was Black-related this month. So for the month of March, we will be highlighting all women for the whole month of March. Uh, dope women doing dope things from uh, lo uh, lawyers at Amazon to uh, news people to uh people to single moms who are just being bosses to organizations period so we are really excited about march being women's history month and we hope we hope that you just rock with us for real uh we think that you guys will be really excited to hear about it and we look forward to y'all's uh thoughts and y'all th thoughts on this episode and also episodes in the future yeah yeah and uh follow us on instagram at unconformed podcast like uh Derry said we're looking forward to women's history month where we're going to be interviewing some amazing women I'm excited. Yeah. All right. With that being said, I'm Darius Watson. I'm Ryan Thomas. Hey, and we out. Colorism. <laughs> I sound like Mike Tyson. You heard colorism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing that out. I swear I didn't notice that. But go oh. ahead. <laughs>